Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey guys, it's it's Dave DeVito. Um, I'm just coming here to say uh, that I love the Fallout app, and I would like to tell you about the service that they use to make this podcast. It's called Anchor. The best thing about Anchor is it's free. You don't have to pay anything. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your own podcast right from your phone or computer. Now, you can even add songs from Spotify directly to the episodes. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you, so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can now make money for your podcast with very little, uh, minimum, little, little, little listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks, guys. Your attention, please. Your attention, please. This is your official civil defense broadcaster. One of the greatest threats would be radioactive fallout. Uranium fever. Where fallout is heaviest, it can even kill those who have not taken proper shelter. Broadcasting deep underground in a questionably constructed survivalist bunker is Dave Chaffins and Kenneth Vigue, and your host as always, Mr. Robots. This episode of the Fallout Hub is brought to you by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology. Open enrollment for advanced robotics courses starts now. Totally nothing sketchy going on. Nope, not at all. Okay, and we're live. <laughs> Yay! Oh. We're live. Welcome to the Fall Hub. Man, the vault door was being was stuck. It was keeping all the sound in, and now you guys are in the vault. We just telemagically teleported you here in the vault with us. Welcome to the Fall Hub. I am your host Tom or Robots. Doors are so last year. Regular co-hosts. Uh, that was Ken. Ken, what's up, buddy? How's it going? I'm good. I'm good. You're good. Well, that's good. And we've yeah. got Dave Chaffins also. Dave Chaffins, welcome back. If if there's no door and you come in, then I knew you were trouble when you walked in. 
DMCA takedown. <laughs> wow. That was that was better than I would have predicted you did that. Yeah. Um, you'll also notice that there is a fourth uh, talking head on the screen right now. We've got our friend, the best of juices, Mr. Head. Welcome, Juice Head. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for joining us. Guys, what are, what are we doing? Why do we have Juice Head here with us today? I mean, it's obvious. We're here, by we're here to learn his ways of, of how to be a Juice and a Head at the same time. Mm. Um Mm. We did talk Not about like orange Kool-Aid trees yet. earlier. Maybe that's where we were going with that. Yeah, Kool Aid mm. Man's basically a head that's juice flavored yeah, with absolutely. like arms and legs. He's kind of a walking head. Yeah. It's unfortunate though because as he busts through walls, he gets asbestos and debris and you know all kinds yeah, of stuff. Yeah, you would think. I probably it, don't it want kind to of falls into the top of the container, doesn't it? It seems that's really true. unsafe. Yeah, you should look at some like really Saram wrap. You know, like. Yeah. You know what? Now there's a collaboration. A toupee? Yeah. Maybe that. Maybe that's a good like. Uh, that mm-hmm. that could work too. You know what, guys? I think we found our new thing. I don't think we're ever going to talk about Fallout ever again. <laughs> I think we're just going to talk about these weird other <laughs> topics. I think that's. I think maybe we're more excited about <laughs> about walking heads and juice. Um, but <laughs> maybe you want you want to talk about Fallout? I guess. I guess, you know. Well, I suppose well. that's the name of the show, you know. Yeah. Or 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 the Kool-Aid Hub. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, we'll let our listeners determine this. Uh <laughs> listeners, please chime in, especially if you are live with us on Twitch right now. Chime in and let us know what you would rather us talk about for the next 60 minutes plus. <laughs> you tell us. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll do, we'll deliver exactly what you want. The Danny DeVito hour. I'm here to please, not to tease. If you yeah, if you want more Danny DeVito, just let us know. We could, mm-hmm. This could be the Danny Pub. He's done a lot of he's done a lot of shows. He's, he's done a lot of movies. He's, he's like a recurring guest at this point. You figured we'd pick somebody from the Fallout universe maybe to bring in here ever so often. No, we did not. We did no. not pick anybody no. like Graham or like you know I don't know. The mechanist. We, had, we even had a guy that impersonated the mechanist. And the mechanist never even showed up. No, we get Danny DeVito to come on the show. So yeah. Shia, yeah. Shia in chat says clearly we want to hear about Japanese wood hinges. Now mm. that is a mm. podcast I could sink my teeth into. Hey, you, wait, 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 wait! You you eat Japanese wood hinges? Is that what you're implying? I thought it was in our bylaws that we don't kink shame Tom. I was just yeah. curious. I just I didn't know that about you. I'm not judging. I'm just surprised. And this is the point where Juice Head thinks to himself, what did I sign up for today? What exactly yeah. did I... I could yeah, be video editing right now. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, okay. So the reason why Juice Head has joined us today is because he... Um, you guys may not know this. He is Danny DeVito's biggest fan. Absolutely. Taxi. Just start naming shows with Danny DeVito. Hey, Jumanji, his latest mm. appearance. Wait, mm. he wasn't what? He was in Jumanji. Yeah. Wasn't he like on like Jumanji an episode story? or two of Cheers? Isn't that a thing? I mean, uh, uh, he was on Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is also a sitcom about a bar. Wasn't he the original Chef Boyardee? Yes. yes. We need to stop. We need to stop. Even yep. now, even me, I'm the biggest, I'm the biggest offender. I am like suspect number one. All right, gentlemen, let's, let's get the show back on the tracks. I have a question for each of you. 
Today, let's talk about art. What is the secret sauce that makes Fallout what it is? We're talking like flavors? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I bet the flavor of Fallout is pretty gross, uh, to be honest. Um, uh, so the secret sauce, for like artistically? Yeah. Like, from a creative aspect? What makes aspect? it like feel like Fallout? Like a Fallout game? What makes it feel like that? Mm. 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 Let's do like one. Let's do like a one word. Like we're in like a support group or like a team building meeting at like <laughs> at like camp or something. You know, All let's right. do like one word. Right. I'm I am going to say pop. Okay. Juice. See, okay. I feel like this is like an ingredient in the sauce, but I feel like like mm-hmm. Americana. Yeah. Uh, mm, eh. Mm. I'm gonna I'm gonna say a hyphenated word, which is still just one word. Retrofuturism. It's cheating. That's one word. Well, I'm gonna use a hyphen because Tom thinks he's better than us. I'm gonna say <laughs> ying yang. Light Wait, and what? Ying and Yang. <laughs> it's pronounced ying and yang, thank you. Is it yang? Y- isn't it yin yang? There's no G on the first one, right? Yin yang? Ying yang. It's yin and yang. Yin, 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 yang. To me, Fallout has always been personified by light and dark. You have moments of humor intermixed with just really awful realities. <laughs> like even in Fallout yeah, yeah. 2, um, even they, it, it had a lot of um, really darker storylines, coupled with a lot of ridiculous stuff ranging from Doctor Who to the Guardian of Forever. Um Fallout has always had that kind of great light and dark balance. It seems to me that the when you talk about the light, as in like the humor aspect, it's either like very dark humor, like very black humor, or it's uh, it's referential, like to other other things, yeah. or it's um, absurd. It's like absurdist. It's almost Monty Python esque. You know, it's like it's like one of those things or mixes of those, like which are all wonderful flavors when you put them together. I feel like it's also because like trying to think about at least in like the Bethesda fallouts like the past and like Obsidian New Vegas like I feel like there's not really many like super dark or like gritty or gore scenes like it's always like a terminal entry or like like Vault 11 Mm -hmm. like it's all the lore or like there's a couple of bodies but, but it's like reading about it, it's like oh that's what happened here like that makes this really bad it happens off off camera yeah and yeah, we exactly. use our imaginations for the for the darkest thing because I, yeah. I feel like it's probably like that's, that's a, a srb point. thing but like i can't think of an actual like two npcs interacting that's like that bad yeah i see what you're saying it's kind of like mm-hmm. like a game like uh the last of us or um like like a really like dread like there's like a sense of yeah. dread when you play some like post stuff and really i have never felt that playing a fallout game mm-hmm. and it's probably due to the subject matter of, of the quest but also the world that and how it's built and how it feels a little less it's not a hundred percent attached it's a little less it's more detached i feel like than than, yeah. than something like that in like a fantasy way and like the way that you, you know like nobody nobody really cares about 
you know, oh, Baldur's Gate, man. That place, man. <laughs> what? What? I don't know. What? Where, where are you I'm, going? I'm just like that? you do a you do a Dungeons and Dragons show, so yeah, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna cue that for you, sir. Wait, why, why does no wait? Nobody cares about Baldur's Gate. What? what is well, that in, the, in the way that like nobody feel that, like people feel an attachment to like a location like that, but everywhere they go, there's not like like for example, you're playing The Last of Us, which is a post-apocalyptic game in which pretty much they have ghouls in it. Like that's the whole. You could go into more yeah. lore. You could go in different Plant stuff, ghouls. but it's like right. emotionally, sure. like it's 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 very resonant. And they're trying to like build this universe where it's like okay, everything is extremely grounded, and we're we're here, and we're just like struggling in the emotion of it all. And it's like you, you get a little bit of levity, but there's no like hee haw hijinks. Like look at me, I got a lit, mm-hmm. an alien weapon. I'm gonna shoot up your butt, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's it, yeah. Last of Us is very dark and it's very like gut wrenching, emotional, uh, hopeless. Like it, it, it's it's inspired more like by things like uh, books like The Road. Yeah, exactly. You, you that's a, this, that's like, great. The the question is like, do you still have hope when it appears that there's no, there's absolutely no reason to have it at all? Mm-hmm. Like, do you keep going? Uh, whereas Fallout is more like everybody's living in this post-apocalyptic world it's a very dark place and even when you learn more about the pre-war world it's still a very dark place it's this like post-capitalist nightmare um like i'm but, trying to, i'm trying to think of what the darkest moment is in the modern fallouts and the only thing i can think of is the people crucified in fallout new vegas and your choice about what to do with them you can either leave them alone you can untie them or you can kill them. But just uh, people crucified, and particularly when you walk into um, God, mm-hmm. it wasn't... Uh, I feel like it's Nipton. Yeah, was it Nipton? 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 Yep. Nipton? Yeah. I feel like it's Vault 11 for me, at least. Where it was oh, like yeah. the darkest... I, you don't really do anything, but you just learned what happened there. You're like, oh, that's actually mm-hmm. really messed up. Although I feel like the scary... It may, it, for the modern fallouts... I think the scariest was probably vanilla Fallout 76. Like, I, it wasn't even that. But, like, when you're, like, walking through, like, the mire alone at a low level with, like, just... And then all of a sudden, just, like, a fog crawler pops up out of nowhere. Like, there's just no people. And there's if you're there's not many players around. Like, I remember my first playthrough of that. Like, it actually got me into, like, the... Okay, this is a dead world with nothing going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it kind of, uh, and the other, the, I mean, the as existential threat too to the beginning of seventy six is with pacifist mode <laughs> completely non existent. When you yeah. hear people over the horizon and you're making the decision, do I go over there and possibly meet a cool new friend to hang out with for an evening or longer, or is it someone who's just going to shank me and take all my junk that I've been working all evening collecting? Yeah, well, like I, I wonder. Sorry, go. If, let's finish that. Finish this thought because I've got kind of another rabbit trail. So, that like, I think there I was. Uh, I think I forget what the interview was, but I want to say it was like uh, develop Brighton. It was like some Todd Howard interview, I think, where he was talking about like early builds of Fallout seventy six or much earlier builds, and he said like even more so than on release, which now it's like way more toned down. There was like survival and like PvP aspects. And, like, I just wonder what that was. Like, the internal testing of, like, full open PvP. Like, you die. You lose everything. Like, I don't know. I would. I think it'd be fun to play that mode 
for a little while. Right. I don't know. Yeah. Something like closer to developing. Rust. Yeah, they were developing like a Rust yeah, yeah. clone, sort of. Um, yeah, so yeah, I, I have to talking about like the the dark, how dark the games get. I wonder if because today we are in a post Fallout Four, post seventy six world, where you have the where the world is colorful, like if this was two thousand ten and we played Fallout One and Two and Three in New Vegas. Like even the modern Fallout's three in New Vegas were, uh, they could have been black and white. I mean, Fallout Three is green. <laughs> Fallout, right. Fallout New Vegas is yellow and brown. You know, like <laughs> right. that's it. Like there's no color. And even though there's there's wacky things that happen, it still feels like the world is desaturated, and sad and depressed. It's like living. Um, it, it the the color palette. You're right. It makes you feel like the world is on the edge of a knife here, and life dreary. is just barely clinging on. Right. There's no color left in the world. Everything is dark. Um, and, and then you get to Fallout Four, and all of a sudden there's color back in the world. Like, can you can you picture in your mind how blue a vault was, a vault suit was in Fallout Three or New Vegas? Yeah, I can. I just it's played it. That's why. Yeah, but like, that's like that's it's, like it's not that blue, is it? It's dirty it's and not dingy. that blue. It's it's desaturated. <laughs> right. yeah. Like when when Fallout Four came out and they started selling, um, you know, like vault suits that you could wear. It had they had like the blue, but then the yellow was like gold and it was shiny. You remember yeah. this? Like, and that's I think technically what what color it's supposed to be. Like the gold is supposed to be like a shiny gold and not a yellow. And it took me a while after looking at at that like to to register that I was like, why is that bright shiny gold? And it's well, that's the color. It's just if you if you played the other games, you never saw it that way. It didn't look like that in Fallout Three or New Vegas. You know what it is? It it feels like at some point in time with the newer installations, we got a transition where if you look at some of the the pristine versions of of early like Adam Punk stuff, and you know classic um um you know classic sci-fi rag magazines everything is very slick and technicolor and it's it's bright and pops in your face and that is is personifies really the 1950s style even uh 1950s movies everything feels new um when you're looking at how USA Main Street looked everything looked new and shiny and cars were just so colorful and dresses and um yeah and the games still technicolor yeah it's it, it's a technicolor world it's like you're living inside a pop print you're playing from mm-hmm. 4 and 76 yeah like, a, yeah like a worn down one that's been like you know drag it through the the sewer system for a little bit and then like hit it against the side of your house and there you go yeah where it gets that little bit of grunge mm-hmm. like I even feel like just a super easy example is like compare the cranberry bog to anything in Fallout 3 there's nothing even close to that color in Fallout 3 anywhere yeah yeah nowhere even when you're inside vaults even it's not just the overworld yeah. it's like the inside of the vaults just are, are kind of desaturated there's I mean think about the beginning of Fallout 3 you're a child and there you're playing with blocks like you can see the colored blocks for like special you know like yeah. in the book even that book is just kind of desaturated it's it doesn't pop it looks like the colors used to pop at some point but every, but the world is just not that way um and i, I think I that wonder. has something to do with like our perceptions because 
um, had we had this conversation 10 years ago, I think our, our perceptions of this would be, be very different, especially post Fallout, Fallout 76, now two and a half years later, after the release, where you have all of this really colorful and funny and silly things coming out on the Atom shop. And um, you've got people running around with like Brahmin head, two Brahmin heads and, uh, you know, 50s dress, you know, like, like, like the game is wackier because the people are able to be wackier. But when we were playing, even when we played Fallout 4, you didn't have those things in the game. You know, you wore your power armor or you wore your stealth suit or whatever, and you ran around the wasteland killing the things that you were normally killing. But it wasn't as the, the the potential to be as wacky wasn't wasn't even there. Like I'm trying to. And even I feel think... like we're coming out of. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, um, I feel like we're coming out of like a, a 2005 to 2015. There was a big move for things to be th- almost through a filter, like uh, Breaking Bad or um, yeah, like cool. Zack Snyder films, or it would, that clearly he still puts those out, um, where it's like through <laughs> this particular lens and that was like popular, like some action movies were like blue, a lot of them were like mm-hmm. had this kind of filtering to them and that may have been like a stylistic choice or something popular to do back then, but obviously things change. Yeah. So wait. my brother were out there came out in 2000 and this is some weird fact that I know, it was the first one to be color graded digitally. I believe it's the first movie to be digitally color graded so for the like the next 10 years you're right everything was color was color graded digitally and we were learning to do it um in a way that actually didn't just it wasn't like just putting a color filter on the screen was like really balancing the colors and it's like we went too far it's almost like the pendulum had to swing so far to the other side that you ended up with a green fallout game before things kind of came back to this middle where things were greener, but you still had flesh tone colors in it and, and that kind of balance. And I think you're right. I think that happened in movies and it influenced games as well. Mm-hmm. Not just games. I'm thinking back now too. And, and even in the field that, that I'm in, I was doing an awful lot of grunge textures and um, stuff in ads and in brochures and websites. Everyone was going for that kind of grungy filtered aesthetic in a lot of the creative stuff too. Mm. Yeah. Let's, yeah. Let's like go back out of to, uh, to, to Fallout 1. So let's start way back here at the beginning, because a lot of what we've been talking about was established in what that first vision statement was. Um, so Chris Taylor for Fallout 1 had written this as a vision statement. This is the wasteland. Life is cheap and violence is all that there is. We are going to grab the player's guts and remind him of this. Yeah, you um before we started the show, you, you shared that that with us. That makes me feel like um <clears throat> I mean The Walking Dead is kind of a uh passe reference at this point because we're way past the, you know, the the the, the peak of the show. Um but uh oh, what's his, the guy's name just is right on the tip of my brain. Um, Norman Reedus. No, and not the Norman Walking Reedus. Venus. The guy who the guy who did the comic. Oh, um, Robert Kirkman. Robert Kirkman. It's kind of like there's that's in the same vein. This idea that like I I feel when you describe that, I feel like original Fallout was in that same kind of vein, and Robert Kirkman was probably influenced by that kind of thought. This post-apocalyptic world where it's it's not the post-apocalyptic world of like you can become the hero and use your bow and your wits to out, you know, it's, it's the post-apocalyptic world of the road. It's the, you, you're walking along 
and you just made it through some terrible, terrible events, and then all of a sudden you're dead. And there's no why. It's You're just a number in the world, and something random can take you out at a moment's notice, and the world doesn't care. Everything is dark. There's no reason why anything is going on, and you never even figure out why the events happened that led you to the place you're at now. It's just uncaring. The world is uncaring. Particularly and and art-wise, it's that, more closer, I think, to, to Mad Max 2, which was kind of the first time that that like, big, open waste... Like, this is a wasteland. This isn't like a place that decayed. This isn't a, 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 a crazy thing that, you know, just... You know, all the city is here. It's like absolutely empty, a hundred percent. Yeah, when you think too about how dark even the storyline was, the ending of Fallout is just so awful. Everything that you went through, everything that you did to be cast out after mm-hmm. all of that, and then if you get the terrible ending, that has to be one of the darker endings in in any Fallout game. The the pixelated distortion where you're seeing the security footage of just the super mutants just destroying everybody brutally and then if you notice um it's you as a super mutant going after the overseer at the very end (laughs) to kill him (laughs) which has a little bit of poetic justice but yeah that that the first game is is so much darker than even the current installments are Mm mm-hmm yeah, I feel like that original team and and echoes a little bit in New Vegas. There was a there's this like absence of hope thing that's it going yeah. on. Um, whereas like Fallout Three, you've got like well you find your father and then of course he gets murdered, but you know you're able to get the water stuff working right and you 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 know you get together with the Brotherhood and you're able to hold back the Enclave and like yay you know and Fallout 4 has dark endings like everything's a tough choice no faction is perfect but there's still this like yeah but there's still hope right like there's still hope guys um Fallout 76 is kind of like that at least now that things are back there's this feeling of like well People tried to do stuff. They they darn messed up and got themselves all killed. But now we can make this better. Um, and again, the factions have different theories about this. But you're you're kind of on the ramp back up. You know, like let's let's get into the vault. Let's get this gold. Let's use it to create a new currency for people. The Brotherhood's coming in. Okay, let's maybe we can use this facility in order to help manage the weather. Okay, great. You know, like there's hope for this stuff. And of course, chances are it's going to come crashing down at some point. But we're not there yet. We're still on that incline. Yeah, and, and it and it I think the art is really kind of married to the story in a lot of that. So like Fallout um, four was all about, you know, science and 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 what you know, what are the, the, the I guess the downsides, what are the benefits, like how much of that do you want, who should have access to this kind of stuff. And so everything was much more Oh, you know, kind of futuristic, kind of having that like futuristic pop thing that Ken was talking about. Um, whereas seventy six is more like a kind of like a Walden or Henry David Thoreau situation, where it's like nature is cool. Let's look at nature, like a like a hiker, <laughs> like a hiker's paradise kind of kind of situation. But that was also, hey, nature is cool, but it also makes really terrible large bats that kill everything. <laughs> And that's going to be a problem. 
<laughs> well, ultimately, that wasn't nature's fault either. Um, well, I mean, okay, so I'm talking to the guy that does the lore cast, and we can get semantics <laughs> if you want, but... Fallout 2. What changed? What evolved? Um, you get a car. <laughs> it was better. The only car. <laughs> the only car in the any only of the car years. that has ever existed. <laughs> I was about to say, I finished Fallout 2 regularly. Uh, Fallout 1, I, I definitely used some cheat codes to get through. Because it's just fun <laughs> to get through it. <laughs> It felt like they were building a world more. It felt like that there was more more locations and them trying to reclaim stuff like with Vault City, um, with, with some of the settlements that felt like that they were really trying to to do more things rather than just like these, you know, some a lot of the places that you go, like the the places of the ghouls, mm-hmm. Necropolis, is that what's called or is that in Fallout 3? Ne- I can't remember. Necropolis, yeah. That's it. Um, it's all kind of like sunken down places. Nobody has like built on top of stuff yet. And, and I think that's part of the th- cool thing about Fallout is like, oh, we took this thing and we built on top of it. So like, oh, here's an aircraft carrier. Well, we built on top of it. Um, you know, here's this vault that nobody used. Okay, so it's we opened up this gack and now there's all kinds of plants and, and buildings that we're making like a community. Like there's kind of a, a that's where I think the lived in feel really, I think takes takes hold is in Fallout 2. I think you've got a good point there too. Um, and this is one of those things I've always been a little bit confused about. Like the the way the you know fallout happens, the world ends, and for two hundred something years, people just use recycled garbage in order to build their homes. Yeah. Like, like yeah. wouldn't we go back to like mud bricks and like like simple common structures that most cultures throughout history have used in order to build shelters um what about wood there's still trees like in a lot of these places there's still trees you could build wood shacks um you don't need to use recycled garbage for your house you know like (laughs) would you would you keep a a broken down dirty toilet in your in your place or would you just make an outhouse in the backyard and dig a hole like probably the van down by the river you know right (laughs) we have don't knock it by the river um i feel like that's one of the problems with like like the gamification of it or something like because i think most people would have like when they think post-apocalyptic they think broken stuff but then like if it was real mm-hmm. like i'm sure all the games would be super overgrown not nearly as much like nature would take over probably yeah. way more wildlife but like that's not i don't know that i feel like it doesn't fit with like the schema for like post-apocalyptic like people aren't gonna think adobe houses and stuff right you're also never gonna find any old food anywhere because it will have been scavenged within the first five years after the the fallout. Um, yeah, two hundred years later, you know, fancy lad snack cake still still hanging out in the, uh, you know, the the mart, the whatever mart. It, what's it called? The uh, super duper about. mart. The super duper mart. Yeah, Tom, um, I like, will that's tell not you, gonna happen. That cram is going to stay in that mailbox for two hundred years, and it's going <laughs> to be waiting for me when I walk out of Vault One Hundred One. Yeah, somehow nobody thought to open that mailbox, like. No, chances are. Um, now, what? Another thing that's interesting: if you go back in Fallout seventy six, there's stuff everywhere out in the overworld. There's just things are everywhere. You can pick it up. You go back and play any of the older Fallouts, and they're not. It's not the places where you find stuff are inside locations that are difficult to get into. 
those are the places where you find things which is kind of interesting because it's one of those things you forget um but yeah like the overworld or fallout 4 there isn't a whole lot of extra stuff hanging out in the regular world like places that are easily accessible are actually very picked over um it's only like these hidden locations or places that are locked down that have good stuff or somebody's like hideout things like that right fallout 3 this is when everything changed we had uh it was craig mullins and adam adamowicz um who really came up with a lot of the 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 things that we associate so much with fallout today and that aesthetic established by them um it's all very adam punk um it's it's very 1950s sci-fi um when you think of how different fallout 3 was it's a complete reimagining um yeah it had that green tinge but mm-hmm. do you still- guys remember seeing the trailer the the first trailer for that the first time yeah. it came out yep and it's it's playing the um i don't want to set the yeah. world on fire and then it's like zoomed in and you're inside that streetcar that's all run down and it slowly pans out and then you see the brotherhood guy turn um that was brilliant that was that was so smart well they've and we've always it. imagined it like wanting to be in a city and like yeah. seeing that and it's like oh we're in a city we're like <laughs> going somewhere we're like doing a thing that's exciting. And they've used that for, like panning radio shot for basically every game now. Well, Fallout 3, 4, and 76. Even that teaser for 76 is basically it's a Pip-Boy, or, right? Or Pip-Boy radio, I think. Like the teaser, Fall, what do you, like, do you have the cathode ray tube thing right there or whatever? Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, technology. Let's get our technology guru in here. Everybody, please welcome. <laughs> I'm kidding. We don't. <laughs> <laughs> you were getting ready to do another voice. I saw it. No, no. I saw the, no. gl- the glimmer in your eyes. I've already. I've, I've used my time up already today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, add a few notes too on the on the the Fallout Three team. So, um, Ist, um, Istvan Pelly joined the team, and so did Nate Perkypile, um, who's one of the reasons that we're we're here today. Um, uh, Adam. Adamowicz, um, he passed away from lung cancer in 2012. Um, and a few of the things that, that he came up with were the shish kebab sword and the laser mm-hmm. rifle. Um, the laser rifle in particular was something that uh, he just, it, it took him a f- like a week to get right. Um, and that became the thing mm-hmm. that he was singularly most proud of. Um, Istvan- I wonder what the, I wonder what the, the getting it right meant you know like it's not hard to extrapolate like laser pistol let's make a rifle that shoots lasers too but i'm sure it had more to do with the design of it i feel like it is kind of like if you think about it like if you were going to to design a laser rifle like it is kind of weird that it's a box like i don't start with a box like that's odd you know right it doesn't look like a traditional rifle with it looks like a uh like a battery with an opening <laughs> right yeah and, and yeah. how hard is it to not be derivative of star wars or star trek at that point you know right yeah it reminds me the the shape of that that laser barrel um the old school dry cleaners in like the 80s and 90s always had um a laser that went across the door and it had that shame box shape so as soon as you walk in the door it would chime but it kind of mm. looked a little bit like that 
Um, Istvan Pelly, uh, who's still with the Bethesda team, he goes by the nickname Pirate Pelly. Uh, he worked as lead artist and art director um, since 1997 and came up with the idea for Mothership Zeta. He also designed the T-60 Power Armor um, and is the art director on Fallout 76 and Fallout Shelter. Um, in fact, in Fallout 3, there's an unmarked location that's Pirate Pelly's Boat and Bait. Nice. That's cool. Fallout New Vegas. Uh, this is one that I jumped uh, we, on the Fallout Workhouse. We've actually gone back this month to Fallout New Vegas. So we've been kind of working through the content on there. Um, so I jumped back and played it as much as I could until it just crashed my computer, even without any mods or anything. It just like crashes everything. And I'm like, oh, geez, seriously. Um, but it, one of the things that really strikes me about it is how much it's a Western. Like, yeah. It is a Western ass Western. I don't think anyone's ever said that before. Um, yeah, just like, like, it, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know where to start. Just uh, tumbleweeds and um, the the aesthetic, the way that people talk. The the uh, one of the things I thought that I found really interesting thematically was this concept of like original westerns were about. Um, man going to this uncivilized place and trying to civilize that place and fallout new vegas as a western is about a civilized place that has become an uncivilized place that man is trying to re-civilize so it's got <laughs> this kind of uh it, it makes sense it makes yeah. sense that like a western aesthetic would work for that which also relates back to fallout one and two but they really lean into it in new vegas I think Good Springs is probably the best starting location of the series as far as like yeah. getting you out of the gate and getting you st- like a, a, a vault. You have to do a lot of talking. You have to do a lot of things. It's like immediately it's like, OK, here's this town. Here's their problems. Here is a, like a walkthrough of all the mechanics and problems that the world can have. And there's a, a, a pathing, a pathing problem where it's like, OK, I need to go to Vegas to 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 talk to mr house i can go left or right and then you learn you're like don't go left don't go left don't, don't go, go left north. don't go north it's a I little gotta, bit i gotta go to the you know right. it's, it's a little you know bit wizard of oz <laughs> it is it like is you get bit. knocked you know, out you wake up uh there's a there's a guy yeah. and you gotta get on that road and go see the wizard <laughs> you gotta go see the wizard yeah and if you go north of course there's uh, tons of death claws that are in the way and you're just going they they are very dangerous like will kill you in one hit um and having played this again for the first time in a long, long, long time, uh, there's this thing that happens, and I don't know if it's just modern hardware or what, where you you get close enough to see them just on the horizon, and they move very slowly, or they just stand in one place. And then if you get within, like, a detection radius of them, all of a sudden they're, like, zipping around. Yeah, <laughs> They're just, like... Just, like there's, uh, you try to go. Okay, well, how do I find a path between them? And they're just like, there's just tons of what, them. And they're what just are like they like around really, really fast. One more. Yeah. yeah. Nope. <laughs> I wish there was a sound effect. Add sound. Add sound. Do it with sound now. Wow. That was yes. That. that was great. That was perfect. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking cartoony. Um. But it, like that is not how you interact with death claws in like the modern fallouts or the more recent ones. You know, like they're still fast, but they're not they're not doing that. <laughs> I mean, Fallout 4 is like it literally gives you arguably like three of the toughest things in the first 20 minutes. Like you get power armor, a minigun and you kill a death claw in the first yeah. 10 minutes of the game. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that Deathclaw is dangerous, but it moves more like a real creature. You know, it kind of like bounds around and, and right. slows up and hits yeah. the thing and then uh, it, it moves and is animated. But these are not animated very well. They're just like, they're just zipping around. Um, super strange. Cazadors have that same kind of effect where if you can see them at a distance, when they get to the detection rate, you're right. They just kind of kibby all around, like getting mm-hmm. really annoyed. Uh, I'm trying to think of, I'm trying to think of like really like locations that really stood out to me from from New Vegas. And I think Good Spring is one of them. Obviously the the New Vegas strip is one of them. Um the, one of the things that hit me initially playing through New Vegas was how much of the outside of the strip stuff was there. Um like other casinos yeah. that weren't on the main strip, these other little towns, you know, like Good Springs and Nipton and um uh, uh some of the others. Um, but there, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff. And going back on the Fallout Lorecast show, looking at some of the relative placement of those things on an actual real map is actually interesting too, because they're relatively in the same locations. Um, the world doesn't quite match the same shape, but it's it's actually kind of like if you were approaching Las Vegas from the south. Yeah, I feel like it is because like there are so many notable locations in New Vegas, but the map is like one of the most critiqued maps of the franchise but like mm. I, like when you were saying that like what's the most notable like you have the strip good springs but then also the boomers base i forgot what it's, it's like a air, it's like a prison Nellis. Kind of thing right yeah, yeah. Nellis air yeah. force base even uh, the same thing with uh, the legion base like the first time you go up to the legion base is like i feel like a super notable point like many of the ncr little outposts like i feel like i remember those so vividly compared to like fallout 4 like I don't know, there's nothing really stands out the same way. I feel like I don't know. I feel like the DLC for that really had oh. nice direction. Um, for and New I Vegas, feel like yeah, for New yeah. Vegas and for the areas and stuff that they went to. I mean, uh, Dead Money alone. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you could go into um, the the number of Lonesome Hearts. Is that one the name of the mm-hmm. one with Joshua yeah. Graham? Yeah, and the Big Mountain. I call it Big Thunder Mountain in my head just Big because MP. it's a ride at Disney World. Old World yeah. Blues. You you can't go wrong with penis toes. What That's amazing true. dialogue <laughs> that entire DLC had. You know what's really interesting is I remember the I remember those DLCs getting relatively low review scores when they came out. They were kind of some of them were kind of panned. Um but yeah. years later people think back to them as some of the best content Fallout's ever done. Well, it's even New Vegas overall right like yeah. on release new vegas was not this like no the perception of new vegas now is way better than oh there's like a whole release. i think mm-hmm. who was it was it was a gaming magazine recently it said new vegas was voted by the the best fallout mm-hmm. was that correct oh, yeah yeah, yeah, I yeah. Would say and it, it has to do with the uh, I, I think it has to do with the storyline stuff it has to do with how tied together all the different uh, like important people are in the game. It just, yeah. if you were to map out the connections between any of the like cast of any of the Fallout games, I think New Vegas probably has the most, it would have the most intricate web of things. Um, and and I think it would games. be different. I think it'd be different if, if we had somebody from the West Coast here because Vegas and how, and how they picture it is more like, it's like the Myrtle Beach of the West Coast where it's like, this idea of like oh it's the adult playground it's all this different stuff so imagine it post-apocalyptic like that's a cool idea if that's something that you go and do a lot like that 
the idea of having that area. Whereas, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to. Uh, Las Vegas is clearly better than Myrtle Beach. I don't need to come out and say that. <laughs> but I, I mean, that, but that's kind of the. Like, He's offending all five people like a, in Myrtle Beach who listen to the show. Yeah, the the the, the five people in Myrtle Beach are going to be like <laughs> this guy coming in here trying to take away all of our strip clubs. It's a mess. Anyways, um, I, I feel like that it will be it will be better received for West Coasters, which is interesting. That that's just how how I've perceived it of how people feel about Vegas. Like when I think of Las Vegas, I think of Frank Sinatra and Mr. New Vegas. And I about did an impression, but I'm not going to. <laughs> it's going to come out like Fozzie Bear, just like everything else. Um, do you need a DeVito? Josh, Josh Sawyer had mentioned too about Fallout New Vegas. Um, Joe Sanabria was the, the lead artist on that one. Um, and the style of that entire game was shaped by the Gogi style or Googie style. It sounds like Google, but it's it's the it's the art form of the 1950s. So um, Gogi style that that appears in Fallout 76. There were a lot of the signs, um, like mm. Wavy Willards. Those are all very Gogi style, where everything is very shape oriented. Um, we also with Vault uh, with Fallout New Vegas, Brian Menzi drew all the Vault Boy pictures. Um, in Fallout 2 and then came back for New Vegas. Um, he was the senior conceptual artist and the Vault Boy artist. Um, so a lot of those cool icons that we still enjoy today. Um, world building lead was Scotty Everts. He did uh, all the maps for Fallout 1 and one third of Fallout 2. And he did the design for Honest Hearts with Joshua Sawyer himself. That was the uh, cool art team for Fallout New Vegas. Cool. Then we get to Fallout 4. Um, so lead artist Isfan Pelli had, had um, explained a little bit of what their process is um, so their concept team which comprised of Adam Adamowitz um, Ray Letterer uh, Ilya Nazarov and John Gravato have an art pit um, and it's a room that's in the middle of the art department that's covered in drawings and the team gets together and pitch out discussions um, with Todd and Emil, um, is it email or Emil? Emil? I think it's email. Email. No. I, actually, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce that either. Um, but altogether, they all have um, each artist that they brought to the team had a unique visual style, Nate included, um, to create a really rich and varied world. So it's all of these different artists that have kind of a different um, artistic aesthetic kind of pitching together. Um they start with loose, rough sketches, bringing together detailed drawings, and then hand it off to 3D artists. And that's pretty much the Bethesda way, he said. That's cool. I'm sure it's cool to see that during different stages of development. Yeah, could you imagine doing a walkthrough and like, oh, there's Starfield stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Disposable camera, yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. Well, we it, talked about Fallout 4 a little bit. I mean, that's, that's when color... <laughs> showed up um i mean the the world is in fallout 4 is still uh more run down than it looks in 76 or at least in certain parts of 76 because you've got like the forest area which is still very green and um and things like that uh but like there's definitely more color there's definitely uh and there's more variations in weather like that's because and i have a feeling that was more of a technological advancement this idea that like you get a rad storm coming through and all of a sudden everything's green and yellow tinged and you're having to you know take shelter and then all of a sudden if it's clear and sky blue skies again and um 
you've got that stuff going on. Fallout Four's world is interesting because, like, I feel like it, you could just see like it seemed like Bethesda had like big plans for the water, but like there's just a ton of water. But then it's like nothing's really there. You just have the whole what east of the map is ocean or lake water. I don't know what that would be technically, <laughs> but and then there's just you never really go. Yeah, I think it's the it. ocean. It's the Atlantic. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd read yeah. somewhere that it was supposed to be there. Were, there was supposed to be a lot more out there and a reason to go out there, but that ended up getting canned. Yeah, there's like a ton of uh, cut content in that, but not a ton. But like, there's an underwater vault. There's uh, a quest twenty leagues under the sea. A bunch of weapons, but or like three weapons. But I don't know. One vault for the whole. How much water there actually is on that map is I don't know. I just I wonder if there was like a point where they're like, all right. We designed this all, but we're not actually going to use it. But you could just throw it in anyway. <laughs> yeah. It is fun to walk your power armor underwater in that one, where you're just kind of like, you're like a, a like a big daddy, like out in the ocean, just like <laughs> moving around. You know, I, I downloaded this. So there's a Bioshock Fallout 4 mod. I downloaded it, and it is spectacularly well done. Yeah, Edible Grenade made that. He, yeah, he's done a lot of great power armor. Yeah, the, the design uh, of Rapture to, to be able to create that same look in Fallout 4, they, he did a great job. Um, I really like their their city in this one. I feel like that it's probably... I'd say it's the best-looking city where everything feels like a building. Like It's not just like, oh, grayscape, grayscape, grayscape. It's like... Oh, here's the painting plat, uh, you know, plan. Here's like this like old library because you have it's Boston, so you have all this stuff that's like you know from like the 1700s, 1800s. That's just like they've kept up with you know before the, the bombs fell. They didn't. I'm not trying to say that they kept. There was like a historical commission after the bombs dropped, or they got out there and they're like, yeah, you can't change the windows <laughs> on the Museum of of, of American History. Like you got to keep that same. What I'm saying is, is there's a diversity of of different not only buildings but those buildings are different colors you can tell which ones are just like oh this is like your comic store or oh this is your like this is a sciencey building or oh this is an old like church that kind of stuff yeah the only problem with the downtown boston is the fps i was just thinking that always (laughs) now that i have this new graphics card i actually want to see what i can get for fps in downtown boston (laughs) it's still it's still going to be tough (laughs) i think a lot of it is cpu bound actually probably it's interesting though because i wonder if that's a fact like there's i think it's from the no clip documentary where they said originally they had like a whole design document for fallout 4 was going to be new york like i wonder if that just like wasn't a thing because you know you can't really do a city or like they attempted to do a city and it didn't work out i don't know like i can only imagine a new york city scale fallout with how well how how much fps you get in boston that would that yeah. would be brutal. I've talked about that of, of like a, a sense of verticality within the games. Like I, I feel like that they played with that a little bit in four, where it was like, oh, I could like you could like get on top of a building by going up the fire escape, and then there was like oh this old subway that you could walk across to get to another building, and there were like little teases of that to where it was. I, I was thinking to myself, I was like, oh, you know, playing four just just loaded out that seventy six coming out. I was like, it would be kind of cool to see more of the city stuff. Where things are kind of like built in on top of each other, where it's like, oh, this thing crashed into this thing, and now it's a part of you know the building itself. Like it's it's mm-hmm. being used for the same purpose. Yeah, like they do a lot of that in internal spaces. 
Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, probably due to a certain budget of the things that you put out there. The external spaces aren't usually as complex. Yeah, it's their can't budget. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> like mass. Yeah, like how many buildings have? Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Uh, like how many buildings? I feel like you could picture in Fallout Four with like the fallen floor, where it, like it makes a little a ramp you climb up to the next level. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I can imagine that in a next gen fallout except being buildings on top of buildings and stuff that would be pretty awesome yeah mass fusion is maybe the best example of a building that had verticality where it's just one gigantic dungeon as you're making your way up to the top of that yeah. thing um, more buildings like that would have been insane and then I think I remember too it was either in a documentary I had read somewhere it was originally that building was supposed to be even bigger than that Jeez. That was already huge. Do you feel that um, there's kind of a limit to that, though? Like, after you reach a certain complexity, you're going to lose some of the audience. They're going to feel like, ah, oh, this is too weird. I don't remember how to get through here. Um, does it work in an overworld setting? Like, it makes sense if... One of the things that the team typically does well is you end up in a dungeon, whether that's a building or underground in a vault or whatever, and if you follow the path long enough eventually you find your way through and then you you complete whatever it's the skyrim thing right you yeah. complete whatever goal it is and then you get dropped right off back at the front yeah, and then you the can find your way out or whatever right right and they do that really well but on an in an external world kind of system you might you probably need multiple entries and exits in order for that to not get complex and people feel like they get stuck and have to wander, you know, 10 minutes in a direction and figure out how to get back out. Yeah. I've been thinking about how how the cities themselves, it's probably, like, if, if you put yourself in the world of Fallout 4, would you whether want to be in, like, the middle of the city or in, like, the suburbs? And, like, what kind of a... How those, those suburbs are of, oh, you know, this little faction here... They're doing their own thing, but they're not talking to anybody. So it may seem good, but there's a lot of evil underneath. Whereas when you go to the city, it's like the good guys are the good guys. The bad guys are there. Everybody has to deal with each other. Like there has to be like some sort of code or system that everybody works on together. Like when you go to, to, to Good Neighbor, like it's, it's clearly the bad part of town, but everybody is kind of like, okay, we got to get like, we have to do stuff here. We're all, you know, criminal, criminal people. But we have to be able to do stuff. And so it, it makes me think it's like, okay, those are better developed. And it's interesting because you'd figure that like these cities and stuff after, after a fall, there's not going to be a lot of like land or resources there, but just the proximity to people, mm -hmm. I feel like is, you know, maybe I'm trying to like grasp at straws here, but it, it feels like that that was more intentional where it's like, okay, you know what parts of the city are good and bad because people have been there for years and years and years. Whereas in the suburbs, it's like, who the hell knows? Like, <laughs> what is going on out there, you know? So one of the reasons that we're here today um, was the announcement that, and that's kind of what started this whole conversation, uh, was about Nate Perkypile leaving um, Bethesda and moving on in his career. He's been there for 14 years, um, and he's done a lot um he had started out uh making grames back in third grade um which was starting early um started working officially in the industry in 2000 he was a project leader for a company uh, called desert crisis 
um, was on the art team for Blood Rain 2, artist on Ian Flux, uh, worked on Metroid Prime 3. Um, and then from May 7th, 2007 to April 15th, most recently, uh, he was a world artist and or lead artist for Bethesda Softworks. Um, so he worked on Fallout 3 as a world artist. Um, he was the lead artist for The Pit, which was a really cool DLC. Um, Point Lookout, he was also the lead artist for that. World artist for Fallout 4 and then lead artist for Fallout 76. Um in his own words, he approaches games through the lens of atmosphere and aesthetics, but also a bit of fun. Enjoys teasing players, introduces little personal elements to get us talking and guessing. The way you say, um, and the reason we're gathered here today makes me sound <laughs> like you're going to give a eulogy. Uh, or we're getting married. Right. I've gathered you here today to discuss the family we're will. Married. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> One of uh, yeah. one of the cooler things that I, I found out um, dramatically shaped Fallout 4, um, 76, um, as well as Skyrim, um, was one of the things that he worked on with Joel Burgess. Um, when you think about how a lot of older games are, um, dungeon interiors are pretty cookie cutter. Um, when you think about Oblivion... Um, was an example that that they gave at the GDC conference. Um, a lot of the the dungeon interiors are pretty similar. So one of the things that that he worked on with Joel was to create um, more modular kits, which would allow developers to to take these artistic pieces, so multiple floors, multiple walls, multiple roofs and ceilings, and all of these other pieces, um, and allow level designers to to build more interesting looking spaces in order to combat um, what they call art fatigue and it's the point where as a player you're going through and you begin to notice how cookie cutter everything is like yeah you're like why wasn't I in this room before yeah yeah, yeah. like Dragon Age 2 had a great story but when you're thinking about Dragon Age 2 it's just the same like city look as you're getting through that to the point that it gets really dull very quickly um that was one of the really interesting things that they developed um, was the creation of those kits. Yeah. yeah and to touch on to touch on Skyrim, like briefly before we dive into Fallout seventy six, every frame in Skyrim, and I think they talked about this. They they wanted it to be this like like every frame that you're like obviously not like looking at the ground or looking up at the sky is like a painting. It's like a, like kind of like about like they wanted to make it so that there was a scenic view pretty much everywhere you looked. Like oh, even when you're in the middle of a town, like you see the waterfall in the distance, see the mountain in the distance, and there's like a field of flowers or something like that. Like it, that kind of that design gives your game probably longer. You know, obviously they're gonna put Skyrim and everything. Ha 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 jokes. Let's put it in our fridge and our toaster. Like that, <laughs> but that's what gives it legs. Is you know, it's not necessarily the, you know, the you know how good the graphics are. It's that every frame of that you're going past. Like it kind of it, it feels like you're in some like Nordic Bob Ross alternate dimension. <laughs> Anyways, Nordic Bob Ross alternate, alternate dimension. dimension. That's where I live. I live there, and let me tell you, it is um, it has happy little trees everywhere, and and there's mead. <laughs> Every episode, you name a new uh, My Chemical Romance album. 
I, you know, I, I could be a great brand manager for them, but it feels like that, that, you know, maybe I need more mascara or I need, um, I need to like, hang on, hang on. I could put my hair. This is a great podcast content is I can put my hair like that. Yeah, you've almost got the the swoopy hair thing going. Yeah, we've been joined by emo chains. I I, I kind of pull off that, you know, Peter Parker walking around New York that's doing the finger guns at everybody, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. After the show, Dave's going to Hot Topic. Oh man, yeah. (laughs) Gotta go to Hot Topic. Get my Fallout Boy tees, you know. Um, A few of the other things that Nate worked on for Fallout Three, he designed and built Little Lamplight, Paradise Falls, and Tenpenny Tower, as well as the Underworld. Um, all of those are really memorable locations. Um, did lots of locations in Clutter. Um, did most of the lighting. Um, I think, if anything, when you, you think about a lot of what he's known for, the lighting that he brings to the games that he's worked on has been really dramatic and kind of adds to that that atmospheric feel. Um, particularly, he was um, in Point Lookout. When you think of how how that space is kind of like a precursor to that kind of swampy creepy aesthetic that you get with Far Harbor. Point Lookout was a great precursor to that. Oh um, yeah. The mansion was something he was he's particularly proud of, the Culvert Mansion there, um, which was done in four months. Um, that entire Point Lookout he put together in four months, which is insane. Um, Fallout 4, he was second artist on the project. He created Diamond City. Um, the majority of the building kits that were used to build the game, um, industrial utilities, steam tunnels, etc. Um, he was also kind enough to... Wouldn't you think... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Wouldn't you think, like, Diamond City is probably the best Fallout settlement? Like, just the way that looks, from even from, like, macro to micro. Like, the, the pillar coming down with all of the lights through the streets. It feels like this, like... If you look at it back, it's like a little hippie commune in a ballpark. But when you're in there, it, like things start going around you. The way they design the corridors, the way it's like there's all these little neon signs, all these people walking around. Like it, it, it feels living in some, in some regards, as opposed to like Rivet City, where it's like here's the marketplace, and then here's a science office, and then not that I'm not you know I'm not trying to you know compare apples and you know apples to apples here, but. See, I think it is. Like, I think you're right. But I think a Fallout 76 location could have taken it if there were NPCs. Oh, yeah. And I, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what yeah. you're talking about. Like, White Springs, hypothetically, I feel like could have been just as cool or cooler. There's a couple of places in Fallout 76. But, like, top of the world. With what we have. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um,. He was also, Nate was kind enough to answer questions in his Twitter thread, and also I had asked him a few questions through DM. Um, Diamond City is one of the things that he's most proud of. Um, well, good. We paid him a big compliment. Yeah. At his funeral, no less. <laughs> yeah. At his funeral, no less. At the reading of his will. Um, in Fallout 4, um, they had to bounce light in every location by hand. Jeez, which is just uh, insane. Uh, that took I mean, a significant what, amount of use flashlights. Time. Like you know they, <laughs> yeah, they walk around with flashlights. In the environment. <laughs> well, I, I, I bet that it's probably a very similar digital equivalent. I mean, they have to go through each section of the map, and 
like hand place lighting. I mean, that's what that means, right? Yeah. Like, all right, this is this is an internal source. There's a window over here, so there's light that's going to come through this. There's, you know, lights on lamps and things over here. So how is that going to filter in and, and color the room? All of that, yeah. And then we get to uh, to seventy six, which is something we we that is near and dear to us. Um, so for that, um, the the main vision he says came from the lead artist or art director. Um, so even though Istvan Pelli was credited as the art director, um, he was working on um, he was working on Starfield predominantly. Um, so Nate ran the art team in Austin and Rockville. Um, Austin had a site lead, but that was sort of to manage the team there. The core direction came from Rockville. Um, that shifted after launch, and eventually Nate was uh, moved off 76, probably to go work on Starfield. But um, he was effectively the art director. Um, and when I asked what the difference was between like a lead artist or art director, the art director comes up with all the core ideas um, and stuff and communicates that vision to the team. People like concept artists then flesh that out and iterate on it and make it more real. The art director then gives feedback and direction on it uh, with direction from the art director in, in case stuff doesn't fit visually, lore-wise, etc. Um, but he built items, locations, um, and doing level design work as well for Fallout 76, which is something he enjoyed doing, not just the actual spaces. Yeah, I mean, Fallout 76, I feel like it's not even close. as the best world of any Fallout game. Yeah, agreed. It's visually beautiful. I think it fulfills that like fantasy element that like when you think of like big fantasy RPGs with different environments and different places like The Witcher 3 like has those like kind of changes between different areas where they're kind of gated based on your experience like to bring that design into into, into Fallout 76 and then all of the the lore and and the different types of monsters and groups and and, and locations that you know everything has i mean and and to make it so different like everything everything is it's like five different fallout aesthetics in one or yeah it's, it's almost the size of five maps all kind of combined together and four times right. the de- or 16 times the detail yeah thanks todd yeah. thank you <laughs> um yeah yeah I, I have to wonder though if um sometimes more is less like if one of the reasons why we have such a fondness for some of the old fallouts is because they fit a single aesthetic rather than multiple. Like it's it's simpler in our minds. I mean it's right. kind of a marketing thing, right? Like when you think of New Vegas, you think of the, you know, the brown cowboy aesthetic. When you think of Fallout 3, you think of the green aesthetic. When you think of Fallout 4, you think of I mean there's certain pictures that I get in my head, but you know, like Diamond City, like you think of this like rundown Boston aesthetic. Like it, it all kind of fits that same aesthetic. When you think of 76, it's more complex. And and, and for good reason. You know, like there, it's it's a good thing that it is. But like, what's the first thing that pops in your head? Do you think of the mire? Do you think of the forest? Do you think of, you know, like rundown mole miner locations? Like, or like, I, I bet we all probably think about different things depending on what we've been doing in the game most recently. See, I actually have I have the complete opposite. Like my first really? thing is like one of my font, fondest memories of any Fallout, and it's the beta of Fallout seventy six, exploring the world with like some of my friends on Discord, and like I could immediately that like when I think of Fallout seventy six, I that's think what comes to that. mind for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. With like a fire truck, I remember actually. Like I don't know why, but the fire truck in the game, I remember like seeing that for the first time, and the first time you go into the mire, the first time you go into. Uh, 
I forget the little Anglais bunker. I forget the name in the mire. Yeah. Yeah. I'll never forget when, because there was no vending. So you had to go out and explore the map to find locations. <laughs> and I will never forget stumbling on the white spring and finally finding it. And everything is, yeah. is like clean and beautiful and green with the flowers. And, and then you go down to, and I found the mall space and, um, the vendor bots all day. Yeah, there that was, things. I will yeah. never forget the evening. I, I finally made it. Yeah, I think those those first hours. Oh, go ahead. You said the the White Springs. I remember it was like a surreal experience because I was fortunate enough to go to the launch event at uh, White Springs. Was it called White Springs? The Greenbrier. The Greenbrier. Um, And like I remember because we only had three hours to play, but there was like a room where everyone was playing, and there was different like sessions. So I, I and a couple other people were just like standing watching people play before it was my turn. And I remember I was like, "Wait, those are like the carpets that are like out there, and like that's <laughs> mm-hmm. where that door is." Like it, the to the level of detail and like how accurate it was, and then to actually be in the building while this is all going on, and like walk around, and be like, "Oh yeah, I just saw that in that video game." Like that was a very surreal experience. Yeah, he went um, in, when they were developing Fallout seventy six. It was you know they go on location to try and, and get it right. And he took something like four thousand photos um, to decide what would would be in the game, how things would translate. Um, particularly with with um, West Virginia, it was really important. He said something here that was uh, yeah. He wanted to make sure that he was doing West Virginia justice by representing it appropriately, and that's something, Dave, that you've commented on before. So it's not just yeah. represented as like you know backwards or hick like it's it's well yeah, it's represented not a version of itself. That's yeah. exactly. Team it. me yeah. up and I'll hit a driver straight into the hole hole and one call it at the golf course at the White Spring Golf Course. Man, I'm the top golfer on this subject. Yeah, uh, it is it is uncanny the amount of work that was put like obviously and i say this with the you know people that are from western you're like this is not where the new river gorge bridge is you know and this isn't where the like the locations of things doesn't matter but the amount of time that they put into him and his team into these locations of pointing out little details that people are around every day and see and 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 kind of recognize like you know i don't i don't think to myself you know it's cool to see like a golden dome, like as I every single day I wake up and I see a golden dome. Um, you know, you can get, you know, Charleston at least is, is, you know, flat enough that you can see that anywhere you go. Um, but it, you don't really think about like the sign to enter Flatwoods is the same style and, and, and make as the sign that is actually out there when you go into Flatwoods. Like the layout of the cities and the city blocks is pretty much the layout it is in the game. Like, obviously, you go out to... I'm talking about just, like, the cities themselves. Like, Point Pleasant. You can walk through pretty much... Pretty much everywhere in Point Pleasant, that's where the Mothman Festival actually happens in real life. You have that that main street with the, you know, the, um, the statue and the museum, and then you have this, like, kind of plaza picnic area at the bottom. Like, the not just, like, the art itself, but the layout of everything is very true to those areas um like things that you want to think about like there's like this really crazy transportation system in morgantown called the prt 
which is a single rider or like small rider transportation system that essentially you press a button and you have this little cart and then it takes you to that location in your personal cart and a tram. When you see that in Fallout, you're thinking to yourself, oh, this is like, you know, a Fallout thing. Oh, it's fun. And it's done in its own little style. But for the people that live there, they're like, oh, crap, you know, that's that's the PRT. That thing breaks down all the time. And look, it's broken <laughs> in this game. Like, there are there are so many details that have been taken to, you know, not make it seem like a, a backwater place. Like, it doesn't seem like, it seems like that things happened here. There was, like, a civilization here. It wasn't exactly, you know, a groundbreaking city or, like, a, you know, this like massive thing i mean outside of watoga which there is no spoiler alert if you go to west virginia looking for watoga it's not gonna be there it's not gonna be there the city of our dream be there it's not it's not there um and it's interesting to go from point lookout which had those kind of like hillbilly vibes like this kind of like oh <laughs> went up the wrong creek, son. To go to <laughs> is that banjos? Is that, yeah, yeah. I hear banjos. To go to seventy six, that's more. Start rowing. <laughs> it's not as present, but you get all of these, you know, details in the story, in the art, and you can even look, you can look at the like. That's how I, I did a I did a podcast all about the locations of Fallout seventy six before Fallout seventy six came out, and it was based on essentially. The, the documentary with uh, the no clip documentary and all the concept art that you could see in that. And I was going through and I was like, okay, this actually looks like the city. And the reason that it looks all that is because they spent all this time doing photography. If you're taking 4,000 photos, you're not just sitting on your butt. Like you're, you're going throughout this entire area, uh, pretty much a whole, st- I mean, that's a lot of ground to cover. It's not like going to Boston and taking pictures of like Boston and a few little suburbs. Like you're covering a lot of ground. And a lot of little details in these, like, very, very small towns. And even places in 76 are even, like, more important than what they seem in in West Virginia. And, like, Beckley. Nobody goes to Beckles. That's what we call it here. It's called Beckles. What's what's in Beckley? And they make it so that it it seems important. It seems like there's, like, a little mystery there. And, And I think for everybody... That, that lives there or that has traveled there, like it, it's it's really cool to see that level of detail paid. I could go on for an hour, so I'll <laughs> one of uh, so one of the things that they reintroduced, and it was interesting because I remember a lot of us commenting about it um, at Bethesda Game Days. So the lighting for Fallout Four, they had to do that by hand. So they they created a dynamic lighting system. Um, for use with Fallout 76 that would dynamically bounce light, filter light through the trees, and give more accurate reflections. Um, that was one of the things I first noticed with Wastelanders was how much more beautiful the lighting was um, in the game. It was a pretty dramatic difference. Um, he also worked on the the live-action trailer for Fallout 76, Um he said he played the Grafton monster in the trailer, so I don't know if he was wearing like a green suit, <laughs> like Schmeagol. <laughs> he was like walking around, like, yeah. <laughs> Hello. Um, is that your Schmeagol impression? <laughs> I, I think that was just like a, a deeper veto. I, I think, that, uh, okay, you know, um, the crashed space station um, that he converted into the Raider City. That was all him. 
Um, he invented the guitar sword, the death tambo, and war drum, all of the most fun weapons to play with um, that mm-hmm. are pretty popular with cosplayers. Um, he also hit a lot of fun little random stuff, um, including the sickle man stuff. Um, the sickle man is, is something that, that uh, has always kind of intrigued a lot of people. It, it's one of those things where they introduce stuff just to get us talking. Um, and, you know, in year one, when you go into the sickle man's cabin, um, <laughs> you find all the, you know, the, the bodies there. It read the sickle man was here. And then with the Wastelanders update, it changed to the sickle man is here. Um, regarding that, he did say um, it will reveal in due time. I definitely know, and it's certainly an interesting thing. So take that as you will. Um, yeah. They've, they've put little nuggets all over this. You can tell that will eventually show up in future expansions and stories or whatever. Including uh, Seneca Rocks. So um, I asked if it was, in fact, just an alternate unused asset or if it was a nod to, like, the West Virginia Thunderbird. Mm-hmm. Oh, the the beast up on... Uh, the, the, the bird, the, the yeah. bird-looking thing that's stuck up bird-looking on the, the cliff. Thing, yeah. yeah. Um, he said it was an alternative Scorch Beast that we didn't end up using yet, never know, but a lot of creature ideas in the game are really based on cryptids, but not actually the cryptid. For instance, the Mothman isn't the Mothman, it's just a radiated moth. So uh, the actual Mothman is is still out there in Fallout 76. These are just imposters. I um, have been pounding the table. I have been <laughs> sounding the for years. They're like, oh, look, it's a wise Mothman. Oh, look, it's a it's a glowing Mothman. I'm like, that's not Mothman. And I'm not and I'm not trying to be like, oh, I know better. Oh, I oh, there's a Mothman statue in the game that doesn't look like those moths. So they build a statue to the Mothman that, that, that probably looks like the Mothman got that sweet chrome butt. Yeah. But yeah. the actual yeah, moth, just like the real world one, <laughs> that beautiful nice. polished ass, got some. It's got some badonkadonk in the trunk. Yeah, man, for sure. I've been. Sa- I've been. Imagine me here with a klaxon. Imagine I'm just like. It's like there's a, a, a tornado coming, and I'm just like, <laughs> that's not the Mothman on the klaxon for hours. Um, he's actually a huge fan of cryptids, um, and is really loves the the Mothman lore. Um, he. He teased us a little bit in the no clip documentary. It wasn't um, an accident that he wore a Mothman T-shirt in that. <laughs> he, he did it on purpose. Um, asked him what his personal uh, Easter egg that he put in was, and the whole interloper thing. Um, he enjoyed introducing that to get us talking, but it was something that was a side project that he wanted to include, and it was something he made himself in ZBrush. Um, in fact, the the interloper file name. He called it the gut puker. Yeah. <laughs> um, also a name of a ride at that Camden Park. <laughs> the um, the Charleston Dam was something that um, he changed. Um, a lot of, of the world design that he, he contributed to um, was not so much adding something as changing something. Um, he thought the dam being blown up um, would make sense so that there wouldn't be big, boring bodies of water um, that people didn't have to swim hundreds of yards across because that river in, in Charleston is is pretty huge. Um, but he said a lot of times w- the world space, the way in which they change it will dictate the story. 
so of course you know the the destruction of the dam played a huge part um in some of the the more tragic stories um that we yeah i mean it's it's kind of uh almost i mean that's it's the thing that leads to the climax of the like pre you showing up on the scene story like yeah and there's like little there's a little detail there with so that's it's it's the Summersville Dam. I think that it's right beside Charleston. So I think they probably I don't know if they call it the Charleston Dam or Summersville Dam, but there is a big dam in West Virginia called the Summersville Dam that's right outside of there. Um, but normally, when you build a dam, if you have to flood a town or something to to make it, you name it after the town that you flood um, when you go and make it. But the problem was, and the town's name was Gad. That was where what they flooded. And so in 76, in the middle of that dry area, there's a place called New Gad. Oh, that's where the name came from. Yeah, that's where the name came from. Oh, okay. Uh, New Gad. And so Summersville, they were like, we can't name it Gad because we can't name it Gad Dam. Gad Dam, yeah. (laughs) It can't be Gad Dam um, (laughs) in in the real life history. Uh, So that's why you have New Gad there is because somebody took took their damn time figuring out about Gad and how stupid that was just like this the, the lighthouse like all of these like super small details that if you weren't from here or like understood like the the weirdness that sometimes happens like you you wouldn't get but that's one of them that when i was like new gad who who lives here that made this game what is wrong with these people these people are sick that's hilarious you know, we were when we were talking to you earlier about how in a lot of the earlier Fallout games everything is very desolate. Mind you, you're you're 200 years on as opposed to to 25 that we have in 76. Um, when you when you think about Chernobyl as an example of how something would look after even we're talking what decades after an incident, um, everything is is really overgrown even though it's really abandoned. Um, he wanted to, to change that a little bit, so he he argued for inserting something like the Sundew Grove, which is really cool, where you have something that is just plant wildlife that is just exploded from radiation. Um, the He also plays in public worlds, so if anyone out there has ever had someone dressed up as Santa with the original <laughs> Foshnock mask, the one you find in the asylum that's like the white clown mask with the huge nose, um, if that person left you a gift, it was probably Nate. <laughs> that's great. Um, the busts that you have in, in game when you're building, um, one of them is Nate's face and the, all of the busts are the development team. That was something I found out, too. Um, the paintings in the White Spring Station, um, the paintings uh, of the resort paintings, um, the old-time ones that you can build, were done by Chris Ortega. Um, but he also painted in bots in all of them. So you have this juxtaposition of, like, Victorian-era garb um, and then Mr. Handys and Protectrons in there. He thought it was cool, so he, he approved it and let them keep it in. Hmm. And then kind of go back... Oh, sorry. Oh, no, go ahead. Can I go back to that? Like, when I think about the Cranberry Bog and the Sundrews and the giant, like, that's some, like, Avatar-level stuff. Like, that is some, like, otherworldly. Like, when you're in there and you're covered in this, like, in their goo, 
you know, whatever. <laughs> They're acid. Well, it's like, you know, so here's the thing. Here's a, here's a warning for everybody. Uh, cicada season is upon us. And when a cicada is in a tree, it sets off its pee, which is lovingly referred to as honeydew. Um, and so it's encouraged that if you're working under a tree, you need to wear a large brim hat. Uh, I, you think I'm making this stuff up? You think I'm making... I'm not making this stuff up. So that's what I imagine every time I'm what? in in the sundry cove it's like oh look at this it's like they're 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 peeing on me as i mm. fuck through i'm gonna start calling my wife honeydew she'll think it's sweet <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna start calling mine cicada pee cicada pee <laughs> dave gross <laughs> um what's up sweet cicada pee <laughs> <laughs> a few other things that he said just kind of in closing to kind of round things out and what his, his approach to things are and what his really his legacy is he said a big part of why I make games is to make worlds that people can immerse themselves in I've found it has helped me a lot in my life as well I've always thought that every part of the game matters and that all time people spend in them is why to me it's not a game but a world and I treat it as such um, I'm pretty sure I can't take Fallout with me I can't say I ever got sick of it um, I know some people may have, but it's why I went I went there, why you started working at Bethesda, and I love the franchise in particular. It's great. You can do almost anything as an artist in that world. Um, you can do some super creepy stuff as well as ridiculous stuff. Um, I have a Fallout-related tattoo. Fallout is definitely the franchise closest to my heart also. It's why I joined the company. Um, and one last thing, just kind of in, in closing, there was a lot of speculation and questions. Um, whenever you move on for company, particularly when you've been somewhere for, for 14 years, when the average that a company can expect to keep someone is like 4.3 years, um, when you stay that long, leaving is a, is a personal choice. Um, and even though a lot of people were, were speculating about it, um, he said it was totally his choice. So it's not like the, there's some ridiculous stuff that people were asking him on Twitter, but... It was something that he just wanted to, to move on with his career to something that obviously is going to challenge him more. Bill Gates came in and gave him the slap around and said, you're not coming here anymore, <laughs> Sonny Kim. Slap around. Well, I I don't know about you guys, but I think uh, Nate deserves a big thank you for uh, for all that hard work. He's probably going to listen to this, and, and yeah, thank yeah. you very much for giving us. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah some really incredible memories in game yeah it's interesting to think about like a job like that doing it for 14 years how many people you you've touched in ways that you never are going to realize you know because so many people love things and um one of the things i've learned from doing these podcasts is that the stories from these worlds and and the, the being able to escape in them really does help a lot of people out in times of need and in times where they feel like they need to you know run away to a safer place or, you know, I, I don't know, lots of different reasons. Um, places to find friends, yeah. you know, people to bond with over something that you love together. You know, all of those things are very positive. I can safely say last year into this year, um, not having a community and friends um, and the distraction of 76 and being able to do something during a pandemic um, saved probably a lot of people some miserable evenings um it was a, a being able to play 76 with people is was a really good outlet mm -hmm. predictions for fallout 5 because obviously uh you know each time a new lead has come in there's there's going to be a change 
Oh, I thought that they're not going to do any more art. I thought that's why we're here. That's why we're doing the funeral. <laughs> that's that's funeral. why we're at the will reading. Is that oh, it's just going to be a blank screen and text? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I've, I think I've even done episodes with our patrons about predictions or, or things that we want for Fallout Five, but I don't. I don't know that we have enough to go on. You know, for any really firm right. foundation, Mister the Head, I'm sure has has put a lot of thought into this. Mister the Head. <laughs> Let's concede the floor to Mr. The Head. Fallout 5, what Mr. do you the think head. it's going to be or feel like? So I did a video on this before Fallout 76, I think. And like I feel like what I said still holds pretty well. Like, okay, so right off the bat, they said in the no clip that they were going to do Fallout New York before they landed on Boston for Fallout 4. So like New York, I would lo- I'm from New York, so I would absolutely love that. But like that would be my most ideal but otherwise, I think, a, I don't know if there's any evidence per se, but a super cool spot could be a border of the U.S. Like, let's say Texas, but then like Texas bordering Mexico specifically being a big dynamic of the game or a northern border. So like the U.S. and Canada, then like getting into technically the Canada was annexed. But then like, I doubt they're all just like, all right, we're American now. Like I can imagine a cool cultural shift there. So I think one mm-hmm. of those that something like a twist like that could be cool rather than uh, not that they have to do a twist, but as opposed to just like another location, I think it could be cool if they did something a little bit different or everyone always wants a non-US fallout. I, I don't think we'll do that, but I don't, I don't think we'll ever think so get either. that. Yeah. Yeah. I think maybe yeah. I think we might get it in like a DLC, but I don't think we're going to get it in like a main line. Or maybe it developed by a different studio is kind of like a spin-off game, which I think you said it did talked yeah. about too as a possibility maybe that but yeah i, don't, I can't see that yeah or even like it, it could be cool a different time again which i don't know if they would do that but like imagine fallout 4 100 years later like similar the opposite of fallout 76 basically which i don't know if that's something they would do but that could be like basically all of the games outside of 76 have kind of been super close together like it would be int- a big time jump could be an interesting twist to like really mix things up yeah, I think that would be cool. They historically have dropped hints about where the next Fallout is going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Bethesda always has, you know, 76 being teased uh, or, or included way back in Fallout 3. And then um, even in Fallout 3, getting discussion about the Institute and Boston. Um, I wonder if there's anything in 76 now that's a tease of, of where we're going next. And I'm trying to think of what that would be. Or four. Mm. It's it's even more likely that it would have started yeah, in four. Four, right? four yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously, San Francisco with the memory den stuff that you see the Golden Gate San Francisco would be interesting. I'd always thought that they were going to do something in Pacific Northwest. So do like a like a Seattle or... Or the like. I feel like that that would be an interesting. That's somewhere that Fallout has like never gone. And of course, there's like a million like a Fallout New Orleans would kill. It would go in there and it would just like rip out everyone and it would just it would kill. Uh, But I mean, you know, and now that Microsoft bought them, they're legally they legally have to put it in Seattle. Um, That's that's part of the stipulation. (laughs) It was part of the closing of the deal. Right. Yeah, the New Orleans idea was like one that somebody pitched on uh, on when we talked about it and it, that's a cool concept 
And they found Bethesda location scouting in New Orleans way like before, um, like right around the time four released or right before. So they thought that four was going to be in New Orleans, but turns out they were doing uh, location scouting for Wolfenstein, uh, which has a New Orleans segment. Yeah, I think it's interesting, even just like the timing of this. Like, when is Fallout Five? Obviously, not anytime soon. But like, how late is it? Like, is it twenty thirty? Well, with the with the Microsoft um, thing, they now have access to people from Obsidian and yeah, these other but studios. Obsidian too is is like booked basically. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, they're all they're all booked. The but, Outer World. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like I, I feel like the next Bethesda Fallout is like oh, it could be a decade. Oh I yeah. I feel like oh yeah, which is crazy. But like yeah, no, I, I think we see some some other company do a spinoff Fallout or maybe I don't know. I think Bethesda would reserve like the main entry for themselves and then spin off for a different company. But right. Well, I think that's why yeah, seventy six is a thing is because it fills that gap. Same way that right. ESO fills the yeah. gap for Elder yeah. Scrolls. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we're going to see a, at least a 10-year gap between Skyrim and Elder Scrolls Six um, to see a... a <laughs> Assuming it comes out yeah. 10 years, it'd be this year, so it's probably going to... Yeah, I mean, I mean it's yeah, at least that more. much, right? Like, right. like so if, if we're talking maybe a 14-year gap between those, then to have a 14-year gap between Fallout 4 and Fallout 5, it's kind of par for the course. 2029, yeah. yeah. Do you think the Amazon series will be tied into Fallout 5 with the maybe occur in the same spot or have similar um, or do you think they'll just be completely That's something different? else that we, we talked about it, on, on the show too and I, I think that those things are traditionally very difficult to do like yeah. they've tried to do tie-ins for shows and games at the same time but the development cycle for TV shows and for games are so different and yeah. it's also very hard to keep yeah. a game studio on the same uh, cycle as like a TV show but to hit certain topics and then just plan to write you know like leave openings that you know, are adjacent to the story for something else to come fill out more details would make sense. I'm sure that there's going to be yeah, some think- references to it in the like in Fallout Five. Like they're going to make some sort of, like they reference stuff in in all of the games of like oh you know and and three they're talking about the Commonwealth and the androids and oh this, I came all the way here from the NCR like that kind of stuff. I feel like that you're going to get. Yeah. I. I'm still uh, I'm still hoping and expecting that the TV series is going to be a uh, very beginning of the Fallout That's story what I thing. Want. Yes, and we're gonna like yeah. and I pitched the idea two years ago. The mm-hmm. story of like what happened at Mariposa and Maxon discovering the FEV and the mutations yeah. and those things is a wonderful way to go from something that is um, you know like military focused very similar to our real current world setting to kind of bring people into it and then bring in the fantasy elements and then you step ahead another 20 years or something and then now you're in the fallout and we're, we're seeing what happens over on that side of the world you know before the events of fallout yeah. 1 that's another great question for question for Juicehead of what do you think is going to be but a then, but then it connects What's to seventy six, like that's the other thing that occurs to me is yeah. if the TV show sets us up like right at the Great War and then drops us off twenty five years later on the West Coast, then now we've got stuff that can cross over between seventy six and the TV show, which is probably much more of a of a cadence that you can connect things back and forth than something like a Fallout Five. Yeah. I think I was I've been watching recently what's it called The Handmaid's Tale 
And they do a thing in that show where it's basically like, I don't know, the premises, something happens, new government, new rules, new laws, everything. Like, it's post-apocalyptic-esque. It's not post-apocalyptic, though. But, like, with the main character, it constantly... She's in Boston. And it constantly cuts back and forth between real time, which is very different, and then, like, a flashback to how it was before. But, like, a lot of... Like, almost, like, a third of the show feels like flashbacks. Mm -hmm. I could see them doing something like that with the show where a bunch of it is, like, right on the cusp of the bombs dropping pre-war. Because, like, that's not really something you ever get to see. And then a ton... And then, let's say, they get... Let's say it's Fallout 4 storyline where you're frozen. So then, like, they're kind of now seeing immediately those same locations post-war. Which, I don't know, because that's kind of what they did with Fallout 4. But I think that could be an interesting way to do it. Yeah, I think that would be that would be cool. From like, I, I feel like they got to start it in a vault, you know. And I yeah. feel like that having that fl- like doing those flashbacks like that and giving some clues to like the former world and kind of like having this, you know. Ima- imagine if you were like experiencing, you know, the beginning of a four where you're doing all that like, oh, hello, honey, how's the weather today? And but then you're like shooting down, you know, the 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 bugs in your town and stuff like that like that kind of juxtaposition i, I think that's a good idea you said let's talk to jonathan nolan let's get you let's get you and him like hooked up let's like get the you know i'm sure you said with me thrilled See, I, was, I love westworld like i was hardcore theory like westworld season two especially like i would get on the reddit every night after the episode premiere and theorize about what the hell things meant and stuff so i would love that i'd yeah, love i, I think uh, sorry. oh no go ahead I think they will almost certainly play on the, um, no, yeah, I think it'll be like walk out of the vault, I'm a newcomer to the world, like this is all crazy to me. Like I think that's something they do. Like I don't think it'll be like 20, like someone who's like adapted to the post-apocalyptic wasteland. Like I think right. it'll be someone who it's fresh and cra- like they're like they see a blood bug for the first time. Like what is that thing? This is crazy. They have to bring the viewer into the world slowly in order to acclimate yeah. the viewer along with the protagonist, the character. And lots right. of shows yeah, do this. Exactly. I mean, I mean this this harkens back to the Hobbit, right? Like that's why Tolkien started in that setting is because you know if you were if you were an Englishman you could identify with the Shire, but then the world outside of that gets progressively weirder. Yeah. I think the Westworld season like season one, episode one, that pilot, is probably the best television pilot ever because it hundred it sets up that world. It's like at first we don't know, it just looks like a Western. And they're like, there's something off about all this. And then it's like the day repeats and we're like, Holy crap, this is like is it a video game? What is this? It's, it's Groundhog it's like, Day. Yeah, it's yeah. like is it right, exactly. Right. Uh, right. and and they kinda they set that up. And now that I'm thinking about it, they even do that kind of storytelling that, that you said was talking about. They do that in Westworld where they like do the flashback with a Native American guy. Uh, they mm-hmm. do like, I mean, they're doing like alternate timeline storytelling and telling stuff yeah. from the past. I don't want to get into too much spoilers, but <laughs> there's a lot of that. Yeah, I feel like those two, because it's Lisa Joy and Jonathan Nolan, like they, I feel like they're, they don't like just doing the straightforward like everything is as it seems. Like every, there's going to be something with like a double meet, or like so, I feel like there's going to be some weird twist going on that you're going to have to like watch the show and be like, wait, what's going on here? Like this is weird, or something like that. Before we go, we've had a few callers on hold. 
Oh my gosh, the best part of the show. Get some collars in here. Get some collared greens, even. I don't know who was first, but let's take Osiris Devaris. You're on live with Rochafin, Chad, and the the Juice. (laughs) Oh, hello, everybody. That was Uh, terrible. I'm not not gonna do voices like <laughs> I mean, you, anyone. Here's the thing. I'm gonna lay it on the ground right now. Anybody can be a part of the Danny DeVito Club. Like that's, that's pretty much <laughs> enough. Anyone is allowed to. DeVito. It's open membership. Though, though, I will let Dave continue on about the Mothman. I, I always love a good Mothman story. So uh, that that's always uh, a thing for me. <laughs> and I'm out. <laughs> is that that's all you? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, you guys were talking about. Um, like the you know going through all of the fallout games um i mean my first fallout was fallout 2 way back in the day and then i found out that oh well maybe i should probably play the first one and see how that one went and i was like okay i can see how the second one's a little bit better but i like the story that was in the first one especially uh, surrounding the master and and all that i absolutely loved um the uh, the ending that you get that if you actually get to talk down the master from his plan and you get him to realize or get it to realize uh, that you know super mutants can't reproduce and basically his whole ideology is flawed and everything will eventually just die off because you can't reproduce um, but uh, if I had to choose uh, like which fallout was my favorite I can choose from something that I absolutely love from every single one of them, but I have to always go back to New Vegas. And one thing that I always say is when you just take the core game by itself, I, I still believe that Fallout Seven uh, Fallout New Vegas is the best, but I will give the trophy for best DLCs to Fallout 3 solely yeah. for Mothership Zeta. And I mean, really? That's Mothership Zeta. Least, that's a hot. It's a hot topic. Yeah. Yes, it's a very yeah. hot topic. But like, on a broad spectrum, I feel that Mothership Zeta was just absolutely phenomenal. And this is coming from a guy, and Kenny will know this. I am a gigantic nerd fan when it comes to everything Nuka Cola. And when we got Nuka World and Fallout Four. Oh. I almost threw my mouse out the window from being excited. Okay, <laughs> so yeah, Nuka World hands down is is one of the best I think realized DLC worlds to really play in. Um, that Absolutely, had, that had so much going on, and it was huge. That DLC was massive, or certainly mm. felt massive. Do you all remember for for those who who played the? <laughs> For for those of you who actually played Nuka World, do you That's remember your first reaction when you first saw a gator claw? Oh yeah, yeah. I was like, "Holy crap! There's a gator death claw." <laughs> I was gonna say for Tom, it's no different. It's like an everyday thing for him. He's like, "There's a gator. There's a gator." I saw a gator in the lake near my house. Gator. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like an hour from Disney World or whatever. It's like you know. Tom was helping his wife with the groceries last night and had to fight one off with a laser rifle. Yeah. You get a pool in Florida. It's a gator bed, you know. Yep, yep. Yeah, that was yeah. a that was a good DLC. Yeah. Nuka World was pretty awesome. Mm. But if I had to touch down on like one one thing before leaving you, fine, gentlemen. Um, 
one thing that I would absolutely love to see for for Fallout Five, um, we touched upon it pretty much. Uh, everyone is I, I want to see a Fallout Five where we get a lot of the main story explaining exactly what happened around the United States. We saw Alaska with uh, the game that shall not be mentioned, uh, and. Uh, I want to see what happens to Canada. Like, you know, we annexed it. I I, I want to, and this is uh, like, you might think I'm a little biased because yes, I am Canadian, but um, I, I want to see exactly why Canada is just, it was annexed and that's it. We're done. We don't talk about it anymore. I want to see what's happening. I want to see what happens with, with because Russia. America. The America. They brought it, 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 it America that's, now. That's, we don't care exactly anymore. Why. That's that's 100% why is because these games are so American focused that the people in these areas don't care like they're they're Canada is so far from any of their thoughts because they're just trying to survive in this world and also America like that's it that's the answer. I don't know I think Labrador would make an amazing Raider stronghold. Oh my god. (laughs) We're gonna go to New Brunswick. (laughs) (laughs) The latest DLC Prince Edward Island. But yeah, I'd, I'd love to see like how, how, like what are the changes from like on, on the Russian side? Like what happened to China? Uh, you know what happened to Canada? Like Mexico's got to have something to do with with everything too, right? So I, I'd love to see them explore, even if it's just DLC, right? I, I'd love to for them to explore exactly what is going on in the other regions, what we're seeing. Uh, is it a barren wasteland? Um, like, did the nukes that went off in like Russia or China or other parts of the world like did they completely devastate them to the point where it's like the the glowing sea? I, I can't remember what it's called. Is it called the glowing sea? In yeah, the glowing sea. Yep. Yeah, the glowing sea. Like, is it just like a barren wasteland where like there's no life? It's just creatures that have mutated and that's it. Or is it kind of like Diamond City where people are? beginning to restructure society you know people are trying to continue living on and and continue you know human life right or is it totally fine and everyone's just avoiding the u.s at this point or yeah could or you imagine that, if, or... if no one bothered to nuke canada and canada's just like going on like nothing happened they're just fine they're just like just don't go down just don't go south <laughs> they're, they're eating regular non-irradiated poutine and they're living their best life <laughs> Yeah. It's like in the South Park episode where they go from Denver to Nebraska and it's just snow to cornfields. Yep. The minute they go over the, you know. That's accurate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's accurate. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if you, it's funny to drive from like West Virginia to, to, to Chicago and it's like mountains, hills, horses, corn for as long as the eye so can see. And I am not kidding you. It is corn. So much. Forever. Yeah. Sorry, After high corn. school, we, I drove cross country and oh God. the middle states, I wanted to just hang myself from a tree. Right. Oh, my God. We so drove north corn. all the way to Chicago once on a on a, a band tour. And once you get past like the south, it's just corn for like an entire day. <laughs> You're like, ah, <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that on a road trip one day. It would be the kind of place that you would nuke and you would only get one flux. Like, that you don't have any, any multiple colors. It's just the one flux. And you're like, now I have a million crimson flux and none others. 
And you yep. realize that Crimson Flux isn't used for the weapon that you want to use either. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, thanks Osiris, for joining us, Osiris. Thank you for your call. Thanks, thanks for having for me on. We have one last caller. Come on in. That's true. You're on with Dave Chadbo and the Juice. Yeah. I'll. Hold on, I, I need Dave Chadbo with them juice. I, I have the I, I have the Twitch open, and you guys are double speaking in my my mic real quick. Uh, but it's 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 yeah, great. Please turn to be down on. your radio, caller. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't need two radios. Um, but no, it is it is great to be. And and again, you know, when as Osiris is speaking, I would like to see a bit more in, in these weird, less un-American states. You know, because like there's Delaware. a lot of. <laughs> Delaware, I, I wouldn't know much about that. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of like a l- lot of political like strife going on because I mean w- they were annexed th- so we can get to the oil in, in Alaska far more easier, and there's a lot of things we still don't know about that. And I probably could go on about that, but it's definitely a, 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 it's definitely you know a place I'd like to see, uh, um, and. Uh, I'm going to stop talking about that because Osiris has already covered most of everything I wanted to say. But actually, I feel um, like something nobody's like. I feel like like we were talking about this largely in the context of like a spinoff for Fallout Five. But like to me, especially internally at Bethesda, when they're like planning out expeditions, like this seems like a big opera. Like imagine once a year we go to a new place with new lore, new creature, or maybe not new creatures, but. Like, you have a lot of stuff you could do with that every single year if you want to. To get the ESO-style experience with 76, where it's a yeah. whole new land, and just up yep. that, I'm looking forward yeah, kind to. Kind of like a blank slate. And there's a lot of yeah. land. I mean, you know, seeing Dewpoint Circle in, yeah. in some sort of beta stage of being tested, it's it, it's it's it brings back a lot of nostalgia, just going through Fallout 3, that, that yeah. tinge of green in the air, that... You you could almost like smell like radioactive waste coming off the ground. Mm. Um, Has that mm. new irradiated smell? It smells kind of like bacon. Um, but you know, um, going back to uh, what what Cyrus was saying about some some of the lesser known DLC, my favorite from Fallout New Vegas was actually Dead Money, and it, I, I know there's a lot of people who hated that DLC because it was you you got yourself blown up every five seconds. <laughs> um. But at that point in the game, I was going through it. I had every weapon. I had every armor. I had thousands of rounds of ammo. I, I, I didn't have a challenge anymore. Dead Money threw me into a world, stripped me of everything, and I was wandering, walking around level one again. Just trying like to Delaware. Figure out, just, just trying to figure out how I don't die in a world yeah. that I, I completely believed I had conquered. And that was that was a bit of a humbling moment for this for this for that uh, for that uh, for New Vegas. The first deal is he that kind of set the tone for you're gonna face something different. You're gonna face a challenge out of this, and it got me excited for the rest of the DLCs. Yeah, yeah. I often think that Fallout's one of those games that if I could go back in time and like erase my brain and then like mm. replay it, like <laughs> I feel like like seventy six has been my favorite Fallout experience to play for the first time. But it's not my all-time favorite fall game because that's generally one that I want to want to go back and 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 roll a character, want to do all this different stuff with, and, and I, I love that I love that world. It's obviously like super special. But the first time you play any of those, I feel like is the most special it will ever be. 
Like yeah. you're never, and it's always exciting when those games come out because you're never gonna get quite that experience again. And so for you know, when Dead Money came out, I you know I guess it was panned critically or what have you. But to like go back to a place where your level, you know, you're probably like level twenty or thirty. I'm not sure what the cap was then for that. Um, I think it was thirty. But you go into that world. If you did anything with guns, you're pretty much screwed. Like you are back to basics, like just like punching walls and stuff. So I agree. I think Dead Money is 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 one of those experiences that kind of simulates that. I guess that first time. And the you know, game game feel. that's. I think Fallout 76 is one of my favorite, like, intro Fallout, or at least, like, modern Fallout. Because, like, Fallout 3, I played, I was, like, a little kid, so I don't remember it. But, like, Fallout 4, like, it was almost tainted in some of the DLCs because, like, I was trying to make videos on it. So, like, it became, like, the mad dash. And, like, I used console commands to, like, skip progress because you had to, like, make a video on whatever. Where Fallout 76, uh, the first time you could play, it was, like, you had, like, four hours and you could i couldn't cheat my way at like i had to just play the game like and i feel like that's why it's become such a fond memory compared to like the vast majority of other games i play now it's like even with cyberpunk it was like all right how much can i grind today so i can make as much videos tomorrow on this game right you can't hit the tilde key and press tgm and no. hit enter and give <laughs> yourself a like a million stim packs and, a, yeah. and, a, and when you punch things everything explodes like you can't those games so if like i had played it like if i had just like stuck i got into big with the survival mode with four and then i went back and played new vegas after i did the the four survival but if i hadn't done that i would have found 76 to be like why is everything so hard why does nothing die in one shot like what is the problem i have to shoot this guy in the head four times come on I, I I do think you know the death needs to be a bit more balanced than MAs, but other than that, I mean, seventy six does a lot to kind of introduce new players to the world, which I do appreciate. And mm-hmm. it might not be the game that core players, you know, hardcore players want, but there's there's going to be new players coming into the game. There's going to be fresh blood. They're, they're and seventy six is going to give them a good uh, either a good or a bad impression, and and they're, they're going to want to check out more. They're they're gonna they're gonna wanna go back to the other games. They're gonna be expecting what coming out in Fallout Five, and it's and 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 going back and replaying a game, it's just you you're never gonna get that magic. But yeah. you're you're going to you're going to be hopeful for that next game, for that next that next experience, that next vault moment, that next big boss that comes around the corner that you've just completely never seen before. And, and that's one of the things I'm I'm really really excited about Fallout because. Even though there's mutants and monsters, you never really quite know what the next state's going to hold. What what horrible experiments are being conducted, and what 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 people are there to tell their story. Right. Yeah. Thank you for your call. We <laughs> have a good night. <laughs> good night, Patrick. Thank you. Too. Thanks for coming. And I think we well, I think we've said it guys. all. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean, we've had a a nice long conversation about all this wonderful stuff um you said thank you for joining us yes, yes thank you for having you. me it was a lot of fun it's always it's always nice to have your perspective and your um you know your juice like head in our uh, <laughs> gallery of other heads <laughs> guys anything I, I love how tom thinks about juice head and when we, and when it's like you guys want to have juice head on it's like of course i'll take mr head any day and it's always mr head and i'm <laughs> 
It's just a good that name. Mr. It's a good Head. name, guys. Yeah. It, yeah. it sounds like, like a great like board game mascot, you know? Mr. Head. <laughs> Mr. Head. Mr. Yeah. Head. <laughs> Once again, the Can show ends with a musical outro. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'll do it. I'm going to do it in MS Paint, and then I'm going to animate it, and it's going to go like on the screen, and it's going to go, Mr. Head. And then you'll be like, hey, guys, she said again, talking about this thing today. He's like, on, no. on that He's like, awkward no. note, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Everyone say goodbye to Ju. Said he won't be coming back. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have anything you want to share before we head out? Ju said, "Let's start with you. Anything cool going on? Yeah, in what are you the world on? of the YouTubes? Uh, no, it's like the dry period before E3. So it's like cross our fingers. E3 is exciting. Well, no, I'm just happy E3's back. Yeah. The whole like summer of game announcements we got last year, where it was like every like other week there was an event that was like not that exciting I'm just happy that's over got like one nice event hopefully there's some cool stuff from bethesda maybe a little fallout 76 maybe a little starfield that would be nice yeah dave and i have been doing the starfield lore cast listen to, listen we need to get you said on with us for whatever we're doing on the next episode you can you can do true. some drawings of some of the things that you think might be in the game that's true and yeah. just to, if you ever decide to do that you said it is it is like a wild off the cuff it is like imagine if there was just a cult surrounding this thing and then we just like we made a huge uh, like an even bigger deal than most people make out of anything and that's what it's about it's about getting to the highest of highs i mean i mean pretty i mean we say a prayer to todd howard every day you know it's Mm -hmm. it's it's a whole anyways yeah maybe maybe we should do another episode next week it's been a while starfield forecast coming back it has been a while it's been a while well, it would be potentially, well, d- depending on how frequently, you only, may only have a couple of episodes left before you actually see the game. That's Maybe. that's what we're hoping. That's why we haven't really done a yeah. whole lot, because, I mean, there's been a yeah. ton of speculation, but very little in the way of leaks. So, um, Listen, yeah. when you get to the bottom of the yeah. barrel and my comedy routine, we all know where that goes to. We all know. We're all aware. <laughs> Danny of DeVito. Well, it's all just Danny DeVito all it's the way down. Danny DeVito. It's just Danny DeVito's on top of Danny DeVito's. That's my next book, of reality at that DeVito point. all the way down. It's just DeVito all the way down. What an unfortunate well, title. I have to thank Todd, though, because, like, I, the one thing I always think about, like, what is when it comes to the speculation, like, imagine they didn't actually confirm Starfield. Like, cause that was, like, odd that they said, hey, the next game we're doing, like, but we could still right now be speculating, is it Starfield or is it not Starfield? Oh, yeah. Like, you, like, you know, yeah, yeah. like, back in, like, 2017, how it was, where people are like, it's going to be Game of Thrones. And someone's like, no, it's going to be Starfield. Like, right. it is, we are fortunate almost that it's, we actually know, okay, Starfield, the other Scroll 6. Yeah. Or is it Indiana Jones? Like at this point, we'd be like, yeah, maybe it's yeah, an Indiana exactly. Jones game. Yeah. I mean, maybe yeah. you know, Lucasfilm was working with them again. It's a Willow game. Like they're just throwing Elder <laughs> Scrolls out, and we're just doing Willow, Willow games. You know? Oh man, that's a callback. Lucasfilm, well, man. Well, uh, listeners, go check out go check out Gshead's videos. They're very good and informative. If you want to get plugged into any of these any of these games that we like, he's been doing videos on all sorts of fun stuff. Um, so that's it. Nothing else. Juice. Nothing else you want to. Sure. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool. Dave, Ken, you guys have anything you want to share? <laughs> I've got an episode of Alt Boys tomorrow. Uh, we're going to be talking about how to be cryptozoologist from a guy that has a degree in cryptozoology um, um, that I bought offline for fifty bucks. So, I mean, if you're looking for any actual information, <laughs> that's probably not where you're going to find it. But you're going to find a lot of entertainment. 
I mean, you're not. It's we're, we're low on the facts, high in the entertainment. That's where I. That's where I don't do the Danny DeVito jokes because that's not a part of that universe. You know, if you want less DeVito in your life, it's a great place to go. Maybe DeVito is a cryptid. I haven't done and? the voice yet, and I'm not going to today. I'm going to spare everyone. Everyone needs a break. We uh, can just, we can just beat around the bush this week, and the next week we'll just dive right in. You know, wait until mm-hmm. Fallout 76 has mod support, then that will absolutely be a thing. Oh yeah. Mm. Oh, somebody mm. should make a Devito cryptid. That would be amazing. Oh yeah. no! I'm sure there will be all kinds of weird cryptids that. Uh, what if it's, well, it's like? Uh, what if it's angry growl attack, attack is DeVito just so voice. I started blasting? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thomas the Tank Engine death. Thomas clause. the Tank yeah. Engine. Oh yeah, see, exactly. Mm-hmm. No, Thomas the Tank Engine cryptid. Absolutely making a debut with that. Mm. Yeah. And, and for yeah. some reason, you, an you just walking through the woods and all of a sudden you hear a choo choo. You're like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. Ken, what do you got going on? Uh, we just dropped a new mini-sode that was less of a mini-sode because it's, it's like a half hour long. Um, our last part of the Sickle Man saga with um, Oxhorn, Kev Dewitt, um, and Pete Hines, and Tuniversal, that guest starred in that episode, will be dropping in a few weeks. Um, and then we'll finally be done with, with the Sickle Man. The Sickle Man will be unmasked, and uh, the mystery will be finally answered. Spoilers. Um, and then next month, we're actually going to be doing Fallapalooza um, as part of the American Heart Association fundraiser uh, that the community is doing for uh, Fallout for Hope for the summer for the Planet Tree. We're going to do an in-game music festival. Um, so people in the community who are actually musicians and DJs um, playing music in-game and then also on stream, which is going to be kind of cool. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, I'm, I'm doing a new thing. I'm doing a daily stream slash podcast called The Robots Radio Show uh, with some other subtext around there, which is basically me going over just news that's come out for gaming and kind of nerd culture stuff over the last 24 hours. And I'll be doing these in the middle of the day, kind of around noontime Eastern, which is my time. So if you want to join me on Twitch, uh, you're welcome to jump in twitch.tv slash robots radio. The videos and the podcasts will go up as soon as I can get them edited down and uploaded to the different platforms, but it's going to be like a daily thing. So every, every weekday there'll be a, a new little video. Um, the, the new stuff will be real quick. It'll be maybe 20 minutes of geez, These are, these are the big headlines of the day and just some thoughts and, and details about them. And then after that, in the live show, which won't be part of the podcast, um, any of the Robots Radio hosts from any of our other podcasts or the Rocket Club shows that we have that are part of our, our network uh, can jump in and bring some news topic to discuss. And we're going to hang out for another hour or two uh, in a live stream and just kind of chat with people about cool stuff. So so come hang out with us in the middle, middle of the day. We'd love to have you guys pop in and, and share some thoughts on some some news-related things. Of course, we're going to be talking Fallout and Elder Scrolls and Starfield stuff once we start getting new news for that. But then also some other things, you know, like you know PlayStation and Xbox and all sorts of other fun stuff. So come come hang out, everybody. It's going to be a good time. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Thanks, chat, for being here. Love the uh, ridiculous comments. And- <laughs> There's been a really good chat today, and I want to yeah. point that out. I want to point that out particularly today that everybody in chat did a really great job, and you guys rock. Um, and, and we don't we don't mention that enough, and that's why I baked you a cake. All right, wheel out the cake. Wheel it out. Come on, out with uh, uh, something's supposed to happen. It's not uh, happening. All right, I'm rolling the outro. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye.
Ever wanted to be a content creator but had no clue where to begin? Come join me as I sit down with content creators that have already faced the challenges you're up against as they discuss the tips and tricks that help them be successful. Here on The Content Creator's Guide, available wherever podcasts can be found.